become a nightmare Signs of the time are on cardboard on corners in town Like a cancer that silently spread There's an unspoken fear We're on our way down We must take America back Main Street to Wall Street Cities and states Washington, D.C. Before it's too late, there's not long We need leaders who lead us Not stick us and bleed us Then ransom our future and our children's That's wrong We must take America back Liberty weeps Our forefathers spin in their graves Pray God will bless Some way out of this mess We must take America back Oh yeah, let's take America back Welcome back folks Lord to The National Intelligence Report Silence our voice. child of John Stantmiller and I don't believe that I will ever be able to hear that song again without thinking about John. I just do not. It is so much ingrained into the spirit of who John Stamp Miller truly was. So, anyway, guys, I tell you what, uh, talking about Robert, talking about John, we're looking at our the people who stand for liberty and who wouldn't back down. We're looking at that. And the question I would ask, and I'll start with Jim. Jim, do we have anybody to replace those people? Oh, boy. That's a good question. First, I want to apologize to DW. I think I'm afraid I might have jumped in on him on the last segment there. And if I did, I apologize. Um, but as far as... You know, there there are people that are starting to wake up, and in those people, there may be someone who, in time, will grow to that point. But number one, we need them now. Number two, I if they if there are people out there, I haven't met them. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, you know, people it's it's in the heart, and. It's not one of those things where you just wake up and then boom, everything is going to be you're on fire to to save the planet, so to speak, or at least you know rescue the country. But it, it I don't, I haven't met anybody like that. You know, it, it takes a long time to develop something like that, and you know, Robert, years and years and years of study and research. I don't see people that want to do that. The vast majority of the generally dumb public, Bubis Americanus, you know, they want to see when the next game's on. They aren't interested in history, how we got here, and even less how we get out of here, because they, they're oblivious. They don't really know that there is a problem. So it's hard for them to be a part of the solution when they don't realize there's a problem in the first place. So I'm not real hopeful. Amen, brother. Amen. I... I couldn't concur more. Uh, Cal, would you like to jump in on that thought there, uh, young feller? 
Well, yeah. I mean, we're, we're talking about John Statmiller and, and his baby of you know, RBN, Statmiller, or the National Intelligence Report. And then we've jumped with Robert Hudson. And I guess you could say that that Thursday show of Jim's is kind of his baby because he's the one that set it all up. And both of those were set up in the pursuit of the, the truth. You know, I mean, the motto for RBN is you can handle the truth. And I think the best way to honor those two great men would be to continue to pursue the truth. I mean, what more would they like than for us who follow along behind them to continue to pursue the truth and to discuss the topics that we discuss? I mean, I, I don't know how many people here uh, you know, are listening to RBM right now that are on Jim's show on Thursday. I hope some of them chime in here real quick. Uh that Thursday show that is that's that's grown into, as Jim says, a highlight of the week. It is it, it's something I really look forward to every week because it's you know it's not an echo chamber, but it's like minded people with we get twenty thirty people with twenty thirty different perspectives, but all those perspectives everybody's still in the same pursuit, trying to figure out their path to find freedom and rightful liberty and. Uh, you know, and, you know that this is owed to you know people such as Robert, people such as John Stan Miller. So I, I yield from there. Uh, thank you, Cal and uh, Jim. Uh, don't worry about interrupting DW. Ain't nobody likes him anyway. Uh, uh, DW, I like uh, DW. <laughs> <laughs> Your thoughts on that subject, DW? Yeah, I. Uh... I hope my ex-wife's listening. She'd uh, she wouldn't care if I got stepped on a little bit. Uh, uh, look, uh, the uh, if you know, like I said earlier, I'd, I've listened to Jim Statmiller, you know, John. over a ten-year period because uh, he was on the air, you know, at the same time, all the time, and uh, you would hear. Uh, whether you agreed with him or not, and sometimes I didn't, and sometimes I did. And he'd have people on there, and sometimes they agreed, and sometimes they didn't. But you'd always get an opinion from, from John, and it could be contentious. There could be yes. there could be difficult conversations, and, and strain in the voice, and the volume would go up, and... And it it could actually get uncomfortable, but that's sometimes what you have to do to prioritize the truth. And so I say that in, in acknowledgement and appreciation and respect to doing that when need be and, and, and draw a parallel to what happens on, uh, on Jim's show. Uh, on Thursday, Thursday at noon there, uh, every Thursday. And uh, there have been a number of times when it gets contentious on that platform because we talk about anything and everything. Uh, and, and sometimes, even amongst the four of us, there'll be disagreements and we we don't necessarily hold it back, you know. Yeah, because uh, we trust that there's respect amongst us, but but the 
the the real goal is to to root out the truth and that goes with the the people that join us too uh and you know i think we can all agree there's been contentious uh, moments but that's what it takes and and um for that uh freedom and liberty uh you know uh last thursday we uh we had a uh, the conversation was about the Virginia Bill of Rights, and my friend Cal here uh, made a comment. Well, it was reading it. Read, they were reading through it, and uh, the the basis of the Virginia Bill of Rights just briefly was um, that uh, part of the statement. Correct me if I if I don't say this right, Cal or Mike, but was uh, that all men were created equal in liberty and freedom that that hit me like a brick I mean it's just it hit me so hard and I you know even when you've been in this and digging and reading and sometimes these things are just right in front of you and you don't you don't really get them the Virginia Bill of Rights that preceded the Declaration of Independence was founded acknowledged that all men were equal in freedom and liberty, not as a group, not materially, not by their gifts, not by how they spent their time, but in freedom and liberty to do those things. And that was powerful for me. That was just... I can read that for you if you want. Say again, Jim. I'm sorry. Yeah, I can read that for you if you want. I got it right here. Section Please one. do. Please Virginia do. Virginia De- uh, Declaration of Rights, uh, Section 1, that all men are by nature equally free and independent and have certain inherent rights, of which when they enter into a state of society, they cannot, by any compact, deprive or divest their posterity, namely the enjoyment of life and liberty, with the means of acquiring and possessing property, and pursuing and obtaining happiness and safety. Oh, my. Powerful uh, words. Powerful, extremely powerful. And, you know, what's uh, that led me years ago, guys, to delve into the National Archives and also to go to the Virginia Rotunda and to delve into their archives because I wanted to know more about George Mason. Uh just because of that Declaration of Rights. And then also the double, you know, the double whammo was when he refused to sign the Constitution saying he'd rather chop his right hand off. Now, folks, you got to be pretty doggone devoted to tell people you'd rather chop off your right hand than to sign a document like that. And so then he published after that his objections to the Constitution. And Ironically, the thing that troubled me more than anything else is the fact that from that point forward, at the end of the Constitutional Convention, when he refused to sign the Constitution and made that statement, he and George Washington didn't speak again. And they were neighbors. Their property bordered each other, and they were known on many occasions to meet on horseback and to ride and discuss what was happening in the world and what was happening in the country. But after he refused to sign the Constitution, Washington would no longer speak to him. 
But then Washington, which really troubled me, later when Thomas Jefferson sent a letter to George Washington and said, uh, pardon me, Mr. President, but why are these things allowed to happen in our government, all of which are totally unconstitutional and immoral and illegal? And he listed 24 different questions for Washington. Why is this happening? And when Washington sent that to Hamilton to ask him, which tells me that Hamilton was running the government, not Washington. But when he sent that letter to Hamilton, he said that those questions had been asked by George Mason. Why did he lie? Any thoughts on that, D.W.? No. No, not really. No thoughts? (laughs) Cal? I I think Cal. I think Cal might be a good source. I don't know why Washington would lie. I mean, I don't know what was in his head. Um, I could suppose that he said it was from Mason and not from Jefferson because, one, those questions were way over the intellect of Washington, and Washington knew it. And Washington knew that he couldn't have formulated those questions. So he picked, you know, someone who wasn't in his cabinet who wouldn't be in contention with Hamilton, meaning Jefferson, because, you know, I think Hamilton figured out it was Jefferson anyway. The only other person that would have been that wise, and Jefferson actually said that, you know, Mason was the wisest man of his generation. That was Jefferson saying that. Yes. And so, and so, George Washington was, you know, covering his, covering his butt, so to speak. You know, there's a CYA on him. Well, let's blame Mason because if I really tell you it's Jefferson, well, then Jefferson and Hamilton are going to go at it. He doesn't need that kind of contention because he just wants to sit back in uh, Mount Vernon and let Hamilton run the country for him. Well, you may be. You may be. (laughs) That's uh, my supposition. (laughs) Well, you may be totally on spot with that because the letter from Jefferson, uh, the government was operating out of New York at the time. So with the, that was the seat of government. So the fact that Jefferson addressed his complaints to Washington at Mount Vernon tells me that Washington wasn't at the seat of government. Now, we all know that may have been momentary. It may have not have been permanent. But it is at least it draws the question of why then that Washington would take those 24, those exact 24 questions and ask Hamilton. Now, why does the president have to ask the secretary of treasury in the country what's going on? Jim, your thoughts? Oh, you caught me. I was typing some notes about what I'm putting into the show. Oh, I'm sorry, buddy. (laughs) That's okay. I should have been paying attention more, Uh, but I'm uh, shooting me in the foot. Go ahead, DW. I'll, I'll help you. Well, he, he he probably did that. My supposition is he probably did that for the same reason that Carl Rove did all of George Bush's thinking, George Bush Jr. So, you know, he 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 had a handler. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, absolutely. And that is our first, our very first president was being handled by a Jew. 
Imagine that. But, you know, yeah. Uh, Jim, uh, have you got another tape of Robert Forrest? Let's jump yes, back I to do. Robert here, buddy. This one's a little bit longer. Here we go. Okay. Well, guys, Stand on it. let's also not forget that, uh, you know, the, uh, what did they call his uh, gonzo journalism? Hunter S. Thompson, mm-hmm. who, was a, who, was a, who was about to blow uh, 9-11 out of the water as the conspiracy that it was and suddenly committed suicide in Colorado. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How about that? How, how convenient for them. Exactly. I didn't know uh, Kimmel was a, you said he was a regular uh, captain, lieutenant commander, and they made him a four-star admiral? No, like, no, no, no. He was a rear admiral. They made him a four-star. Okay. What is that, like a one-star? Yes. Rear admiral. And he, went, went from one to, Go ahead. he went from He went from one to four in like days. Well, guys, don't forget Dwight David Eisenhower went from a lieutenant okay. colonel to a four-star general in five years. You got me there. You got me there. And then um, Short was went from uh, a major general to a full star to a four-star. No, no, he went from major to a lieutenant, three-star. Oh, well, that's uh, that's that's still yeah. pretty good. And then they probably had plans for them to be the fall guys, which we now know for uh, for um, the bombing of Pearl Harbor. Neither knew what was about to happen. They tried to clear their name, and I think one of them didn't know that the, the jig was up. The other went to his grave not knowing what the truth was. And well, uh, that was like doubly sad. Robert, let's not forget the National Defense Authorization Act of 1992, mm-hmm. in which Kimmel and Short were exonerating of, exonerated of any fault in the Pearl Harbor. Yeah, and- only took... Six or seven decades for that to come out. Yeah, and they were restored to their original rank and were exonerated of any fault whatsoever. And, of course, that was in the bottom of the National Defense Authorization Act. So a good old America who was watching ball games and cars go rapidly in a circle didn't have a freaking clue. VW. No, they don't. That's that one. Well, thanks, Jim. Yeah, it's always good to hear, uh, to bring back those memories. And thankfully, I have all of those programs recorded that we did back then. And I sit and listen to them myself sometimes just to hear Robert's voice. Uh, But uh, here, I'm going to ask a question. I'm going to start with Cal. And we'll go from a little bit of exposure to Robert up to full exposure with Robert over years. But let me ask this question. I realize this is coming out of uh, the clear blue sky here, Cal. But what would Robert Hudson's America look like in your mind? Cal, mute button. No, I, I <laughs> hit the mute button. I'm, I'm in thought thinking, how, what would it look like in his mind? Um, well, one, it, the people wouldn't be as angry as they are today. I mean, like I say, you, that his profile picture. You you couldn't look at that profile picture and not automatically get a little smile on your own face from it. Just it, it, just his profile picture, and then to listen to him. So, uh, America today would be the people. There's probably still be problems, but they'd be happier. They might be friendlier, more friendly towards each other. Because that's what he was, you know. He was, 
he had his own sense of humor and <laughs> I, I really miss not being able to know him better hearing the stories you guys have told. Well, thanks. I would have loved to have sat down and broke bread with the man. Oh, me too. I tell you what, that's one thing I will always regret the rest of my life is not doing that. But one of the things that you mentioned there, and one of the things as I think back on it, every time I ever talked with Robert, he started off the conversation with humor. You know, it was just something humor like, well, how was the Klan meeting last night? I mean, you know, stuff like that. And it was just... That was Robert. Uh, but now to jump to the two gentlemen who knew him very well, uh, D.W., what would Robert A. Hudson's world look like today? Mm-hmm. His world today, if he could have had it the way he wanted to have had it? Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, it would have it reflected, I believe, uh, the principles and, and the integrity with which uh, we got to know him, which was that we could have conversations without calling each other names and and uh, uh, making it personal. It it would he it would be a it would be a place where you could have actually uh, real free speech, where you could actually communicate and you could actually have transparency uh, and then accountability and it would apply equally and uh, this uh, this truth that he was always after had a destination and a goal and that was justice amen and well stated yeah so okay jim your thoughts sir what would a world created by or a country created by robert a hudson look like to you today sir it would probably be the closest thing to heaven on earth that you could conceive um he was just always happy for the most part um always uh striving for um more knowledge did not, you know, color was not an issue to him at all. You know, basically, just like Martin Luther King said, you know, it's the it's all about the content of the character. And Robert had character like nobody's business, and he looked for that in the people that he dealt with, regardless of uh, it transcended, you know, skin color, sex, everything else. Um, made no difference to him, which was, you know, quite obvious because... You know, he was literally uh, the fly in the bowl of milk in our shows for the most part. Uh, Not too many black folks that I'm aware of um, listen to these shows. And it's a shame, but Robert didn't worry about that. His whole thing was this, was this, you know, the seeking of knowledge and to improve his uh, outlook on things and to improve his his knowledge of uh, the way the world works. And he looked for the best in people. Um, And I I honestly believe if he had a chance to set things up the way he wanted, you'd have to go to heaven to find anything better. Uh, I really believe that. He was just a fantastic guy. And, um, you know, the world is a, a, a much sadder place without him in it.
Big time. Couldn't agree more, Jim, and thanks for that. And, you know, um, our brother Robert, uh, oh, I forgot to tell you guys, I just got a notice on my phone that the four of us have been kicked out of the white supremacist club. Well, again, I'm going to lose a whole lot of sleep probably five or ten <laughs> seconds tonight on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just thought I'd tell you we're no longer we're no longer charter members of the white supremacist club. But <laughs> you that, Stephen Whitener. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, this this is incredible. I tell you what, uh, and but it feels so good. I I I, I know you three guys. I know you feel this as much as I do, that love that we had for Robert. And uh, there's uh, one thing that I would like to do. One of the sponsors here at uh, RBN is the Dixie Republic. And mm-hmm. uh, Jim, uh, DW, uh, and myself have met there on uh, occasion and really had a fantastic time with those yep. people. We really have. I mean, uh, you know, it's been Paul and Dr. Ouchie are just something else. It is a wonderful place to go. And it is one of the things I told Robert. I always wish that Robert could have been there. He and I talked about that on multiple occasions. But there's one thing that we're doing here, Mr. Robbins, is we are sending a personal subpoena to you to be at the Dixie Republic this spring. Ooh. What? day is it do they set a date for it i'm planning on going this spring good because we can't we can't wait to meet you and joni well yeah well we're planning on bringing uh, you'll meet draco and sky too the dog well that's okay that's okay we have our maggies right on and so yes that that will that means uh, you get to bring Susanna, huh yes absolutely Uh, there we go Uh oh yeah uh oh, yeah. This this could be. Uh, I don't know if we should let those two get together. We might be in trouble, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, might be? I've been in trouble now for forty some years. Uh, yeah, that's beside uh, the point. <laughs> so, Jim, Jim, do you want to reiterate our challenge to Mister Cal that he better be there? Oh, without a doubt. And quite honestly, uh, it's probably going to be somewhere around the sixth of April. I'm guessing because last year it was April first, which happened right. to fall on the Saturday. It's right. Uh, that's what uh, Paul usually does it like the first Saturday in April. Um, I am hoping at this point, unless something goes haywire, I will probably be there. And uh, it's about an eight, nine hour drive for me, and it's worth every minute of it. Uh, but definitely, uh, Cal, I would love to see you there. It would be nice to get the, the band together for the first time, all four of us. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, it is a fantastic time. And again, that's a place where, you know, you call it Dixie Republic. It, that's the name, and they are freedom-loving people. And again, this is some place where color makes no difference. Uh, white, brown, purple, black, blue, polka dot, don't make any difference. If you're a freedom-loving American, you'll be welcome and you'll feel like family at the Dixie Republic. Uh, those guys, Paul and the group, are just fantastic people. And um, I can't I can't stress it enough. I, I look forward to going down there. I've been there twice now. And I would have been there more if I uh, things had worked out. But uh, it is definitely worth the trip. And um, you will just, you'll meet family that you didn't know you had. Simple as that. Absolutely. Very much so. And, and we'll do uh, radio shows from there. <laughs> yes, we, <laughs> we do radio shows from there. Yes, we do. And uh, I tell you what, folks, it is really something 
to actually have the opportunity to spend hours. The music is fantastic as well. Uh, Paul always has some great music groups there to play, and uh, they're usually playing either bluegrass or southern rock or something like that, or Merle Haggard and Wayland. So it's uh, it's southern. Don't to forget the, the food. Yeah, don't forget the food. Ooh. Tell us about the food, Jim. Oh man. <laughs> Every time I've been there, the food has been fantastic. Paul lines somebody up that's got their own little uh, uh, barbecue uh, trailer, and they bring in brisket and you know pulled pork, and oh my goodness! I mean, it's forehead food. That's what I call it. You put a little dab on your forehead, and your tongue will beat your brains out trying to get to it. Um, yep, just fantastic. And the boiled peanuts. Stephen Whitener will be there with those. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it just—it's uh, a fantastic time. It really is. It's worth the trip. So, folks, anyone who's listening today, you know, if there's any way possible that you could be there in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina, and we'll publish the date. Oh, here comes the music. We'll be back on the other side, folks. Thank you. Come and take it, but we'll warn you. You'll have to buy from our cold dead hands. We want the freedom that God gave us, so you best not cross that line. If you want this gun, you gotta come through us and take it one shot at a time. I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news, real talk, real people. Because you can handle the truth. Tehebo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea helps build red corpuscles in the blood, which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop, and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit drinksupertea.com. The first word is drink, spelled D-R-I-N-K, then the word super, then the word tea. The complete website is drinksupertea.com or call us at 818-965-9113, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-965-9113. DrinkSuperTea.com. The secret to aging like fine wine is in the vines. Syrah grape seeds and skins contain high levels of flavonoids and resveratrol. Fermentation breaks these organic compounds down into smaller molecules, penetrating these therapeutic ingredients deeper into the skin, delivering faster and more effective results. Our handmade fermented skincare products are formulated with all natural ingredients and do not contain any phthalates or parabens. Similar products can cost as much as $180. At Natural Earth Medicine, we source our ingredients from local Arizona vineyards and cold process our oils to ensure that our customers receive the highest quality product in its purest form. Learn more at our website and try our fermented skincare products today. Visit naturalearthmedicine.com. That's naturalearthmedicine.com. People often write to tell us what has happened for them since starting Extendivite. Allow me to read a few. In one month, my blood pressure dropped significantly. 
I no longer get chest pain after exercise. It's amazing, and I ordered my second bottle. The reviews are spot on. My target is to get off BP meds, and if it keeps going like this, I see a light at the end of the tunnel. So far, a great product is what it claims to be. Great product. A few days in, and I could feel a difference for certain. Not checking medical stats yet. I know this is really working by how I feel. We'll continue to take this product. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Extend your life with Extendovite. The American dream has become a nightmare. of the time on cardboard on corners in town There's a cancer cold crime in our cities and an unspoken fear We're on our way down We must take America back Put an end to the gangs and the drugs and the streets Well, folks, Welcome back to the National Intelligence Report, the last half hour, in a fantastic tribute to John Stampmiller and Robert A. Hudson. Uh, and uh, Jim, if I'm not mistaken, you had us uh, hooked up with uh, uh, another platform. Uh, are we getting any comments or any questions from those folks? Well, actually, uh, Cal popped in on <laughs> on the free conference call platform. We got uh, Liz is there and Kirby's there. I don't know if they have anything they want to say. I don't know how much either of them uh, heard or knew Robert, but if they want to jump in with comments, uh, ladies, open up and uh, let her rip. Um, but oh, so yes. far, I, I unmuted everywhere. I said saying people so they can unmute themselves. Here comes Liz. Go ahead, Liz. I'm here. Hi, Lizzie. Hey, uh, I didn't know, Robert. I I came in probably way after. He he may have been there a couple of times when I'd been on, but I think I remember the... Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's him. It, I, I think that's the most that I heard from him. I he may not have been as active at the time I joined. Um, I, it, it, I'm sorry that I didn't know him. I really am because he yeah. sounds like a real interesting character um, and very fair-minded. So just a thought. Thanks, Lizzie. Yeah, yeah thank you very much. And uh, yeah. I think um, by the time Liz and Kirby came on, uh, I think he was getting to the point where he was only able to pop in every once in a while. Yeah, I think so. But the too, neat Jim. thing was every time he would show up and, you know, if he was, you know, most of the time he was working and uh, he could talk when he's on his lunch break or something. So he'd, he'd be there. But uh, every once in a while, he'd actually have a chance to chime in. And it just 
my heart jumped every time you do that. It, it was just a, a boost in the day, a boost in the show whenever Robert chimed in with something because you knew it yeah. was going to be interesting. <laughs> yeah, he, he yeah. wasn't dull. That's one no. thing no one will ever be able to say about Robert A. Hudson. He was not dull. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the thing he just loved to do. <laughs> oh, he loved to do that to us, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so many times. And guys, I, I got to tell you, I, I just can't thank you guys enough for coming on today to uh, be a part of a tribute to both Mr. Stamp Miller and to our friend Robert A. Hudson. And uh, we, I think we have to remember those people who have never been a least bit afraid of pushing for freedom and rightful liberty i you know and those people need to be mentioned i don't care if they're sky blue pink i don't care about skin color when they push for freedom and rightful liberty they deserve to be uh mentioned they deserve to be embraced they deserve to be because those people are after the exact same things we are dw your thoughts yeah well uh freedom and liberty uh i I've been studying those two words for uh, real hard for about ten years. I could I could say them and spell them before, but I I don't know if I could have really defined what they were. And uh, that was a humbling moment for me when I said freedom and liberty. Now, what what does that actually mean? And you can't defend what you don't you can't describe. How do you know when it's taken away? Freedom and liberty, it's a, it's a relay race is what it is. It's a relay race. It's a generational relay race. All it takes is just one generation to drop that baton or not exchange it. It, it goes, out of, goes out of time, out of mind. That's just what's happening around us at this very moment. It's... Even the history, the history of what freedom and liberty are—that's that's being erased. And so, I—you asked a question earlier. Well, you know, do we have men and women to replace Robert Hudson and John Stadmiller? Well, you know. Indivi- individuals like that are uh, irreplaceable. Can other people, you know, fill the gap? Uh, can they join the join the line, so to speak? That's what that relay is, and you have to train yourself because <clears throat> you're not going to get it at a government school. You're not going to get it at a government church. You're not going to get it on government media. You're not going to get it through any of these institutions, you're going to have to train yourself up so you can fill that gap. And uh, so that's that's how that happens, you know. And you don't probably get paid for it. And you probably, you may not make a lot of friends. In fact, you might lose a few. So thanks. that sounds exciting to you, yeah. Well, thanks, DW. And I I just see that we have a... Uh, fellow co-host, and also he was on National Intelligence Report, Mr. William Rapillum, and he would like to jump in and say a few words about Mr. Stantmiller. Uh, William, how you doing, my friend? Yeah, hey, Mike. Um, really um, appreciate your show tonight. I'm really glad 
from catching your show and and um thank you for giving tribute to John Statmiller. You know, I didn't know him either. Um I talked didn't even well, I, talk, I was on a phone call with him once and I mentioned my name and he was like, Oh It was when I was <laughs> first starting uh starting out with Jeremy. And uh that was that was funny. Um but uh yeah, I, I I didn't get a chance to tribute him on my show on Wednesday because uh, Jacob Rothschild took over my show and I got thrown into, detained and thrown into a black van. Yeah, I heard about that. How'd you get out? Well, they just let me out as soon as the show was over. That was the whole point was, oh, okay. was uh, that uh, Jacob Rothschild could to do the show instead of me. And uh, I guess he didn't care much for that. Noise. So, um... <laughs> Well, so, so yeah, I mean, you know, the, the thing is, I didn't know him well, but but he he really, uh, you know, the spirit of the station and his spirit, and I've seen his pictures, and I mean, doing his show on Wednesdays, I, I can't even express uh, what an honor it, it is to have been able to fill that slot in for the time that I did, you know? Um, I don't even think, it didn't really even hit me until I was listening to you guys tonight. It really hit me, you know, right in the fields, honestly. Um, it's, uh, you guys, you guys are all my brothers. You know, I, I don't know, I don't know the gentleman that you're speaking with. The, I haven't been to the Dixie Republic. I look forward to getting down there. Um, I'm going to try to make it to this next event. Um, but, you know, I'm pretty close with Steven. And uh, without this network, you know, I, I just know what an incredible void there would be in my life. And, and I just uh, am so grateful and just I'm absolutely grateful to just have this moment right now to even on the last show, it's the last few minutes of the show. I won't take up any more time, but um, to be able to, uh, you know, give a shout out and, and all that. So, and I'm learning a lot from what you're talking about. And I didn't know that the Thomas Jefferson, the letters he was sending to Washington, the 24 things, why is this happening? And Washington is passing it off to Hamilton. That's very, very, very telling, uh, back right there so thanks for that too oh well willem thanks so very much it means a lot that you took the time to call in uh you know and i'm i'm glad that uh, our tribute to uh mr stamp miller john stamp miller i'm glad that it's uh that people are hearing it because he was uh very much uh deserving of any accolades that could be given in that respect and i i'm like you willem i didn't know him uh, personally, and uh, I only talked to him a couple of times in emails, and that was never uh, actually on the phone. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, when I was at Revolution Radio, I had invited him to come on my program, and uh, unfortunately, that didn't work out. But uh, anyway, uh, William, thanks so very much. Uh, really appreciate that. And I know our buddy uh, Stephen Douglas Whitener is out there. Uh, we call him Goober Peas uh, when he's not listening. Uh, but anyway... <laughs> Uh, really appreciate that. And uh, Cal, uh, see if you can find that mute button, and let's get your response here. We've we've got uh, about a little over a quarter of an hour to go. Uh, what's your thoughts, sir? Well, I mean, we, we were talking about liberty. We, you know, uh, sidestep off a little bit. And when we speak of liberty, um, we're speaking of what Thomas Jefferson called rightful liberty. He wrote this in a letter. Oh, somewhere in the early 1800s, late early 19th century. And I can't remember who he's writing to or the exact date, but I have the quote. And his quote, and, and fortunately, when he coined the 
the term rightful liberty, he actually gave it a definition so that it has a definition and you can't distract from it. And that definition is rightful liberty is the unobstructed action according to our will within the limits drawn around us by the equal rights of others. So simple. It's that simple. So very simple. Read the rest of that quote, buddy. About oh, the law. He, he, he went on, he said, I do not add within the limits of law, because law is often but the tyrant's will, and always so when it violates the rights of the individual. Oh, amen, Thomas Jefferson. He nailed that one, didn't he? Oh, yeah. that's That would be one of those foundational principles, founding principles. Should be. That's probably the founding well, principle. <clears throat> Cal? <laughs> yes, sir. Cal? Yes, sir. It uh, it it occurs to me that uh, Mr. Jefferson was once again very prescient because <clears throat> liberty now operates under law, under the law, and in order to exercise liberty, you need a license now, don't you? You need a mm-hmm. license to do everything. That's a that's a formal law. The light their statute code and regulation requires that's their law, that's their ordinance. And you don't have liberty of your will without their license and their law. So Mr. Jefferson, once again, <clears throat> you know, tip of the hat to Mr. Jefferson, he was absolutely spot on. Big time. Uh, Jim, your thoughts? Yeah. Oh man. You got me again. <laughs> That's why <laughs> in one show. <laughs> I was working on the graphic for this, <laughs> putting together a picture, a thing with uh, John and uh, Robert together. Their pictures for the uh, oh, graphic fantastic. for the show replays, and uh, but all I can say is these two guys were just fantastic people. Um, I would have liked to known John better. You know, like I said, the uh, the time we had was. Um, it was good. It was 27 years ago for the most part, so uh, remembering it all isn't the greatest. But uh, I know that John was uh, he was a freedom-loving American. There's no question. And the things he did, he did because the cause was just. And Robert's the same way. Um, two guys, totally different walks of life. Uh, don't know if they ever heard of each other. Uh, Robert probably heard of John. I'm sure he did. But, um, you know, it's, it's the thing that gets me is, and what's amazing is there can be um, people out there who have this burning desire in their heart for rightful liberty. And it doesn't make any difference. You know, that's, that's the key thing. It, it transcends all boundaries, color, Amen. race, you know, everything. When, when you have freedom in your heart, um, your brothers, period. You know, we all, we may look different, but our blood is red and we all bleed the same. And that's the beauty of these two gentlemen. Um, they were first and foremost, freedom loving Americans. They cared about the country. They hated what this government was, was doing to it. And, um, for that and that alone, I think, uh, they both need to be remembered as well as everybody else of that same, uh, mindset. Uh, regardless of who they are, where they were from, um, they need to be remembered, and they need to uh, their 
their desires for uh, uh, an improvement and a re- restoration of this country um, shouldn't be let, allowed allowed to die. You know, they have to. You know, they may not be with us any longer, but their their memories are, and what they stood for should live on. Oh, amen. I, you know, I can't say amen enough to that one. I mean, you know, uh, we need to be pursuing rightful liberty in the names and for the, you know, ideals that were set forth by these people that have already gone to their eternal reward. We need to keep fighting for this, not only for us, but for what they went through, the things that they did. And Jim, if you will, when you send the synopsis uh, of this program, I'm going to send it to RBN so they can put it in the show notes, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. Would appreciate that. And uh, I think it's a fitting remembrance of uh, Mr. Stantmiller. Uh, especially on this last uh, National Intelligence Report program. And uh, so uh, I just wanted to let you folks know that tomorrow on uh, Rebel Madman Radio here on RBN at, uh, let's see, what is that, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, I will be on tomorrow. And my subject will be, we have a Federalist Society why don't we have an anti-federalist society? And then I'm going Amen. to then I'm going to jump into some other pretty deep stuff there. Now, guys, I'm going to tell you. Originally, I had hoped that tomorrow that uh, the wonderful Karen Quinones could join me to uh, kind of dissect this new law in New York, which says that uh, they can quarantine you and put you in a concentration camp without any legal proceedings whatsoever, regardless of your age. And so we were going to try to dissect that, but she's got a program that she's doing tomorrow in New York City. So we have uh, kind of postponed that to a different day. But tomorrow we're going to be going into why a Federalist Society. And one of the things that's always troubled me, guys, is that the Federalist Society, when it was formed somehow was formed with enough financial backing to put a federalist society at almost every law school in America. Now, I wonder why that was done. (laughs) But anyway, guys, I think we have a caller. Let me check here and see. Yes, Brian in Texas. Brian, how are you, sir? I am well. Thank you so much, Mr. Gaddy and everybody there. This is a wonderful tribute show. I've been listening to RBN for slightly more than a decade, and I absolutely love John Statmiller. This whole network literally changed my life when I was a working stiff as a chauffeur. Uh, I had an earpiece in my ear with this network on uh, with, with a client in the back seat usually, and I was just lapping it up. Uh, I love the show, love this network, and I learned so much from you guys. I got a college degree in economics, and I've never been more brainwashed in my life when I came out with that stuff, but I've learned so much from you guys in this network. I can't thank you enough. God bless John Statmiller. Keep it going. Rock on, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Brian. We really appreciate that uh, comment, sir, and it's great to hear how these people, how many lives they've touched, and we also know that there are probably hundreds of maybe even thousands of lives out there that Mr. Stampmiller and Mr. Hudson touched that we will never be aware of. But we can be thankful for it. 
So uh, with uh, just a few minutes left to go, I'm going to let uh, Mr. Cal Robbins uh, give us kind of his uh, end of show uh, thoughts. Cal, go ahead. Well, first, I, I want to thank you, Mike, for you know inviting me to be on the show with you. It's quite an honor, especially you know, this being John Statmiller's last national intelligence report show there is. It's truly humbling and, on, and an honor to be here. Um, and like, like I say, the, I guess the best way to honor these men is to continue to pursue the truth, to continue to pursue the cause of rightful liberty. And I'll yield with that. Well, thank you, buddy. Now, DW, uh, your thoughts, sir, and then we'll jump to Jim, and we're rapidly running out of time here. So have at it, buddy. Well, in pursuit of the uh, liberty and freedom, all that represents, and the recognition of men who pursued it, it's been my pleasure to join with my band of brothers and everybody else. And uh, and since this is an intelligence report, if you haven't heard it, I'll give you the last Federalist insult to liberty and freedom was on November 30th, the House the U.S. House of Representatives passed a resolution equating anti-Zionism to anti-Semitism. So there's some more federalism for you. Oh, well, thanks for that. Jim, your thoughts, sir? Well, like, uh, like both uh, Cal and uh, D.W. said, it's been an honor to be here. I really thank you for including me in this uh, wonderful show, the last uh, National Intelligence Report. Uh, originally started by John Statmiller, and um, I can't imagine a better way for this show to uh, end than with a tribute to two freedom-loving Americans who spent their lives uh, trying to educate and do anything they could to help uh, restore a uh, God-fearing republic in this country. And it's just been an absolute pleasure to uh, to be here to honor these men, and uh, I'll just cherish this night, this day, and this uh, this show for a long time. I'm going to have the replays posted shortly, and I would also encourage people that if you're listening, you know, I don't want to take away from the listenership of RBN, but uh, you can always catch replays. Go to my website, yourdiyhealth.com, Y-O-U-R-D-I-Y, like do-it-yourself, health, H-E-A-L-T-H, yourdiyhealth.com. Click the radio shows tab, and you can find the links to the radio shows, the live plays, the replays, all that stuff, so you don't miss your favorite RBN shows. Um, but catch uh, catch the Thursday shows with Mike and Cal and DW and myself and all the other folks that are always there um, because we're carrying on the fight for rightful liberty there and educating people and that's the the goal at this point is to set you know brush fires in the minds of men and uh, what little bit we can if if the person has a desire to learn uh we're there doing it every thursday afternoon and i just want to invite people to do that and again thank you mike for including me in this and uh, it's been a wonderful time having a chance to honor john and robert and uh, i just thank you for it well, thank you for being there, Jim. You're just a uh, you're, you're just one of those gifts from God, uh, in my opinion, like uh, the other guys here and so many other people. And I really was appreciative that Willem uh, Rappellum uh, called in. I really appreciate that, folks. Uh, listen to these other uh, hosts 
Uh, you know, uh, my our good buddy, Blackbird9, you know, he has a program. Scorpio's got a program. These are all folks that we've known for quite some time. Support these hosts and support RBN. And let's keep these freedom platforms viable out there because if they're gone, where are you going to hear the truth, people? Because I don't know too many places you'll find it. It just is not available. And here's from a guy who's been looking for it for the better part of 40-some years now. So uh, it's fun to find those things. And, uh, you know, again, listen into these folks, Stephen Douglas Whitener, you know, Willem Rapellum, you know, others uh, who uh, Scorpio, Blackbird 9, and support the sponsors of rbn too folks that that is incredible that keeps them uh them knowing that uh, they have a base where people are going to hear them and support them on rbn and therefore they support rbn it's it's a it's a family and we need to keep all of this together for as much as we can and one of the things i would like to do on this last report is to thank all of those people there at rbn that you folks don't hear you know, Amen. Mike and Sam and the others. Uh, I wish I could remember all their names. But they deserve an awful lot of mention, too. And we just don't do it enough to thank them for everything that they do, putting it forward. But, folks, in the memory of John Stampmiller and the memory of Robert A. Hudson, we sure thank all of you for tuning in and for listening. Hope you'll be able to join me tomorrow on Rebel Madman Radio on RBN. And, uh, you know, if you get a chance on a Thursday afternoon, uh, maybe you can listen to both Jim Ram's program and, you know, you got two ears, use them. <laughs> Thanks, folks. God bless everyone. Have a great week. Hello, hello, hello from beautiful Colorado. My name is Samuel Jung Kay, and I am currently the lead Shilajee hunter and master herbalist for Colorado Shilajee Company. In this video series, I will be discussing what we believe is the greatest of all adaptogenic superfoods and the single greatest natural healing remedy gifted to us by Mother Earth. I think you too will become as excited by this incredible substance called Shilajee as we were and are after our discovery of this amazing gift right here in beautiful, colorful Colorado. You may already know Shilajit by other names. Shilajit, Momio, Momi, Mami, Mineral Pitch, Asphaltum, and others. Shiloji literally translates to destroyer of weakness and conqueror of mountains. Shiloji has been in use for thousands of years and is considered as the highest valued cure-all of any earthly substance. Look for the gold mountain and medical symbol logo in banners on republicbroadcasting.org to watch the full video and see more information. Use code GORBN when ordering. That's G-O-R-B-N. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. 
because you can handle the truth.